Hey, y'all, it's Mandy. Before we talk about this week's episode, I want to say shout out to the patrons. Y'all are the reason I'm still doing this. I could do it alone, but it's so much better to run with people who share your vision, share your values, and see the importance of the work you're doing. So if you're interested in all the premium content, hearing about the questions and answers, or even being a part of our live patron chats, check out my Patreon. It's under at Mandy Capehart, or you can search for Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart and find it that way. Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 88, titled The Six Needs of Every Griever. Our chat this week comes from the world of grief education. In my day job, I'm a certified grief educator and professional coach, which means I'm always looking for new ways to share grief literacy and what might be new information to those who are grieving or supporting grievers. So our content comes from one of my education courses with grief author and therapist David Kessler. In his decades working with the grieving, he has identified six basic needs that, when met, can lead to a healthy and integrated healing process. In his work, David Kessler identified six needs, and today we're going to walk through all six of those things just briefly. My intention is not for you to create a checklist to be able to say, okay, now that I've got all the things, I can meet all my needs and I can heal. My intention is for you to become more aware of the ways you might express what you need or look for opportunities to meet those needs, either through your own actions or by inviting the compassionate action of people who love and care for you. The first need is to have your pain witnessed. We know that grief is intense and isolating, so we need to give ourselves permission to acknowledge our loss and to invite someone else to acknowledge it with us. Having a witness to our pain does not mean we allow someone to try and fix it or to bring in all their advice. It means we are allowing ourselves the vulnerability to admit that we need to feel seen. This is a very normal process that gets weird when the person witnessing tries to repair or comfort without permission. We don't want someone who's coming in with an agenda. We want them to meet us right where we are, right here and now, no matter how uncomfortable it may be for them. Offering our witness or holding space for another person can create meaningful, quiet moments in a friendship. You don't have to worry about saying the right thing. And often, you don't have to worry about saying anything at all. If you've been invited to bear witness to someone's pain, please consider it an honor and treat it as such. Because you are truly on sacred ground when you recognize this nuanced and complex part of our humanity and offer compassion instead of correction. Second need of the griever is to express their emotions. When people are bearing witness to our grief, it can feel really frustrating to feel like they can't handle our big emotions. Phrases like, calm down, it will be okay, or God will get you through this, become dismissive platitudes that serve only to tell the griever that the person speaking is not capable of hearing their emotions. As a point of clarity here, I am using the word emotions, but often you will hear people interchange emotions and feelings. In the restorative grief model, we give credence to the fact that our body experiences a physical manifestation or a feeling, while our emotional state can be witnessed through a thought or an expression of our heart. 
If you're not quite sure what I mean, I'll include a link in the show notes for you about this more clearly. But think of the feeling of tiredness. Tired is not an emotional state necessarily. It's a feeling that impacts our emotional state. Regardless of how we talk about it, grievers need to feel freedom to explore the power and impact of their emotional states and feelings they experience without shame, shooting, or prescriptive language. When we offer that permission to connect to a griever, we are often handing them a lifeline. The third need of the griever is to release the burden of guilt. Guilt and grief are often bedfellows as we naturally wish we could press rewind and repair our relationships where we veered off course. This can partner with bargaining or that what-if moment in grief where we trick our brains over and over again into believing that we are still able to control some part of this external process of death or loss. Grief is nothing we can control, but living in a mental space that uses a negative or harmful narrative to survive is not healing. If you find you are existing in a space of guilt or you are placing guilt, shame, or accusation on a griever for the state they are in, then offer instead the simple question of whether or not the thought or behavior is helpful or harmful. This is often an approachable question, even for the most disconnected griever, to then be faced with a choice and some autonomy, which is one of the very things we've lost when we begin to grieve. The fourth need of the griever is to be free of old wounds. In my work as a grief professional, I aim to invite grievers to be present with the little nudges they experience in grief. There are many moments we experience as we begin processing our losses that may seem to come out of left field. Sometimes we find ourselves thinking about an event from 20 years earlier, and we realize we never gave it the compassion and attention it deserved. While we do not need to revisit a trauma in order to metabolize the experience and operate in healing through the old wounds, we can begin to ask the question, what happened to me? This question allows us to develop self-compassion, curiosity, and to recognize where we deserve to also bring healing into the story of our past. Allowing our past self to experience forgiveness, even decades later, allows us to move differently today and with more intention for the grief we are now experiencing. The fifth need of the griever is to integrate the pain and the love. Integration includes acceptance, but that's not the only part of it that we need for healing. Integration is an incremental, slow but steady process of recognizing the both and of grief, that gray space, you know? We can be both devastated and grateful. We can be heartsick and comforted. And this is where intentional and skilled witnessing, even witnessing of ourselves, can play a huge part in healing. The griever who is given space to experience the complexity, to question the nuance, and to explore the possibilities is learning that they can be guided into wholeness without setting their heavy parts aside. Healing from grief doesn't mean we no longer think about our grief experience or that we forget about the big feelings, emotions, or griefy thoughts that come our way. Healing from grief means we have integrated the experience holistically and in a way that allows us to continue our lives with intention and compassion for the next grief experience when it arrives. The sixth and final need of the griever is to find meaning after a loss. 
Again, this goes back to having skilled witnesses and supporters as you navigate what your life looks like now. Meaning doesn't come from everyone agreeing that you're doing a good job as you grieve. In the restorative grief model, you probably know by now that meaning is found where you create it. The values with which we guide our lives are the same values that can guide our grief process. We look for opportunities to explore life, to embrace the both and nuance, and we use our values to determine what would be meaningful and feel supportive for us in this current season of life. As time passes, the meanings we ascribe to different circumstances will change. We are deciding moment to moment how we want to navigate our losses, and each choice creates meaning for us. So the more time we spend intentionally noticing our behaviors and expressions and reflecting on them for our own benefit, the more easily we will be able to answer the question, is this helpful or harmful, and find what is truly meaningful for us. Thank you for listening to episode 88 of Restorative Grief. When I became a certified grief educator through David's program, I assumed our course would be full of other grief professionals like myself or even budding grief professionals ready to affect change in their own community. But the truth is, the majority of people were grievers just looking for a lifeline of their own. We are all trying to heal. And some do well in large group settings, while others need one-on-one attention. But we all need to know that what we experience will not be in vain. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I hope you feel something stirring inside, something meaningful and inspiring, because grief work is difficult, but not impossible, because you're not doing it alone, no matter what you might think. If you're interested in a larger community of people that talk about loss and grief, consider joining the Restorative Grief Project, which is my free online coaching group, or become a patron of the show to join our quarterly live chats on Discord. The links for both of those and more are in the show notes, or you can always come find me on social media under at Mandy Capehart. I'd love to hear from you and hopefully learn a little more about who you are and what you're experiencing in your grief story too. And as always, one last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.